you know, I had one particular boss when I was at Minnesota, a fellow called Josh McAllister, who I thought was great. He was he was brilliant. He was very um, inclusive, I would say. He'd always listen to your opinion. He'd always be very respectful. You know, he'd, he'd let you do your thing, you know. So when I was at Minnesota, I was basically the head strength coach. So I did everything within the weight room and he just let me have my thing. Mm-hmm. And he just trusted me. And, and that was a, that motivated me to 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 want to do more and 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 dive in deeper and you know i've also had other bosses that maybe didn't have my back at times as well which i which really frustrated me and so i'm very conscious of of the guys that i have working for me that you know at all times i have their back you know because mm-hmm. you're gonna have you're gonna have situations where you know coaches stakeholders they they need a point they want sometimes they want to point the finger and they want to blame somebody they want to put it on someone and you know, if if it, if something might be related to something one of our one of our guys, then you know I want them to know that I've got their back a hundred percent. Welcome to the Find the Gap podcast, where we're going to focus on the health and well-being of the support personnel and practitioners within high-performance sport. This will act as a platform for practitioners to share their own insights and experiences that have helped them to progress to where they are today as well as being a safe environment which they can touch upon moments of vulnerability and other emotional battles that they've had to overcome in order to be successful. My name is Sam, and thanks for joining me on Finding Out Podcast. This podcast episode is brought to you by Team Builder. Team Builder is a software that performance coaches all around the world are using to build programs, distribute workouts, and track athlete progress. It is the perfect fit for professional and academy teams, sports physios, gym owners, schools, and universities. The platform includes multiple max tracking methods, 16 plus reports, evaluation testing, and goal setting features. Coaches also have the access to consultation with Team Builder's in-house sports scientists to help manage and analyze data. Head to teambuilder.com and sign up for the promo code FTG to start your 30-day free trial. Well, welcome back after a festive period and holiday period. This is the first episode of season three of Find the Gap podcast. And we've got a lot of guests on the list for you guys coming up in the next few weeks. So I'm pretty excited to get these rolling and get this first one up and going. And speaking of which, I'm talking today to James Collins, who is the Director of Sports Performance at the New England Revolution at the who play in the MLS competition over in America. So very excited to have a chat with him. And without any further ado, here is the episode with James. Um, thank James, thank you for waking up early in the morning and having a chat to me. How are you doing? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Everything's yeah. you? Good, mate. Good. Much warmer than up uh, in Boston for you. What's uh, the latest with handling the cold up there? Uh, it's not too bad. We haven't we haven't got snow yet, so uh, we're doing all right. But it's it's it, we're, we're probably just creeping below freezing. So yeah, but, uh, we're hanging in there for the moment. When's like the the tipping point for when you can train in the snow and you can't train is it like a certain degree or a certain level of snow that you can train in and you i've seen people lining or like plowing the lines on the field or whatnot with the snow like what's the borderline of where you can't train we're kind of fortunate in the, in the sense that we, one of our one of our pitches has uh heating underneath us oh, so nice. we could probably train on that a little bit longer than than or in certain certainly colder than than certain places so uh, I guess it's it's coach discretion, I suppose, or player discretion yeah, okay. as, to, as to what's what's just too ridiculous of of a level of cold. So, 
Um, but we 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 can go a little bit colder if we need to due to the the uh, the heating system. So yeah, no excuses, huh? No, absolutely not. No. <laughs> Just to get us rolling uh, with the podcast, mate, can you just give me a little bit of a background on yourself, maybe just an intro, um, you know, education or how you got to where you are today? Just anything you want to share? Sure. Um, originally from from Ireland, um, I grew up obviously playing pl- playing sport, playing playing soccer um, uh, and uh, a bit of rugby union as well. Um, kind of got into strength conditioning because I wasn't very good at the sports and, and uh, I also got a lot of injuries playing rugby, so... I kind of got very interested in in the kind of sports science or physical preparation, if you want to call it, um, through being injured all the time and, and not being very good and, and, and wanting to try and get better physically. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I actually didn't even know it was a thing that was a that kind of sports science or strength conditioning was a was a was a profession. Uh, you know, I, I thought it was kind of all under the physiotherapy bracket. And, and uh, so I, I went into university in Ireland in, in um TUD in, in, in Dublin in Ireland and uh, I did a, a, a sports science uh, bachelor's degree with the hope of then going into physio and then realizing very soon in the sports science degree that in fact there's actually its own um, profession mm-hmm. so I kind of fell in love with it right away and <clears throat> I, I was very fortunate to have uh, some good mentors early, early on in my career um, so I, I, Karen Collins uh, who was the the program uh, director for for uh, my undergrads? Uh, he was he's fantastic, and he's still he's now my supervisor for my PhD. So he's been he's been huge for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I also was able to intern with a strength conditioning coach called Barry Solon, who's who's now at, at Arsenal Football Club in England in the Premier League. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was able to to work with him for two three years, kind of see you know just be able to get some great experience. Worked with him with rugby union and a little bit of Gaelic football um and then while I was also d- interning and doing that um I was able to work at the the, the high school that I used to go to and, and was basically their only strength conditioning coach that they didn't have one and <clears throat> I basically just said listen can, can I come in and, and do this hmm. and they let me do it and and, they, and uh so I ended, up, I ended up basically being a, a strength coach for a high school and, and then on the side then I was able to do my studies and then um, get some experience and, and and kind of, I'd say any mistake that I made at the high school, I was able to run it by Barry and Barry was able to kind of correct me and, and put me on the right path, which was great. And it was, it was really good experience for the yeah. kind of three years I was an undergrad. Um, once I finished that, I, I had aspirations to do a master's master's and um, I, the one I really wanted to go to was Springfield College in, in the US. And I think the one thing that Springfield offered was it was very, very applied, which is something that I really wanted. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was very fortunate to get in and I had some for, some help from some people to get in, but, but you know, but I was able to do so. And, and I uh, was able to get in Spring, Springfield so then, then made the move to the US. Um, and then I was a graduate assistant or I'm not, I'm not sure if that, that, that term or title kind of goes... Uh, translates to Australia or it doesn't to Ireland. So basically I was working as a strength, strength, strength conditioning coach with the, with the university, with a couple of their teams, mm-hmm. um, which was great experience as well. You're, you know, you're working directly with coaches and, and, and players and you're, you're, you're running everything, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so that, so that, that was a great experience as well. And then when I left, um, had some, had some difficulties kind of trying to, trying to break into the industry and, and, and get a job mostly due to, to visa stuff, obviously being, um, foreign in, in the US mm-hmm. 
Um, fortunately, I was able to get a, get a chance working with uh, a major league soccer team in Kansas City, sporting Kansas City. So I originally went in at their, as their head fitness coach for the academy and did a season there and then got bumped up to the, to their second team. Um, and then from there, moved to a first team position at the, the professional side in, in Minnesota. Um, and then made the move back to my, back to Massachusetts to New England Revolution, where I came in as the head performance coach. And then uh, midway through the last season, or kind of early early last season, I ended up getting bumped up to the director position. So that's kind of where I am now. I'm also I'm also a PhD candidate in sports science as well. Um, so yeah, I guess I guess that's it. So yeah, crazy. That's a, that's a big journey. Yeah, I suppose so. Yeah, it doesn't really feel that way, but I, I, yeah, so maybe. Yeah, I don't know. Mm. Well, would you say that your um your main passions are like? Did you ever see yourself, you know, in this role as a director of performance kind of thing back in the day when you moved from Ireland, or is this something that you just kind of like fell fallen into? Yeah, I, I think it was it was always a kind of a goal. It's a you know it's a yeah I suppose it was always kind of a kind of a goal because you you know you want to put your put your stamp on things and um. You know, I think, yeah, I, th- I think early on it, w- it would have been a goal of mine. Uh, maybe not when I was in Ireland, but certainly when I moved to moved to Springfield, like you know, I would have, I would have liked to to be in the position I'm in now. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I suppose, I suppose it was, yeah. So you're always kind of working towards that that sort of goal and and trying to do do the appropriate things to prepare you for that as well. You know, mm-hmm. and being the like, director of performance, it has a lot of like different hats and obviously a lot of things you have to be. Uh, responsible of but what would you say are the main pressures that you feel in your role as a director of performance um for me i'm i'm very conscious of the the lads that i have working for me um you know I, i've been in many positions as kind of assistant positions and um i've always been i've always sort of felt that like you know I've had many different bosses, some very good, some not so good. You know, you, you try and take the good things that they've done and, and some of that you try and obviously not do some of the things that you didn't, didn't enjoy. You know, I had one particular boss when I was at Minnesota, a fellow called Josh McAllister, who I thought was great. He was, he was brilliant. He was very um, inclusive. I would say he'd always listen to your opinion. He'd always be very respectful. You know, he'd, he'd let you do your thing, you know? So when I was at Minnesota, I was basically the head strength coach. So I did everything within the weight room and he just let me have my thing. And he just trusted me, and and that was able, that motivated me to 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 want to do more and 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 dive in deeper. And you know, I've also had other bosses that maybe didn't have my back at times as well, which I which really frustrated me. And so I'm very conscious of of the guys that I have working for me that you know at all times I have their back. You know, because mm-hmm. like, you're gonna have you're gonna have situations where you know coaches stakeholders they they need a point they want sometimes they want to point the finger they want to blame somebody they want to put it on someone and you know if 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 something might be related to something one of our one of our guys then you know i want them to know that i've got their back 100 mm. um and i also want them to, to to be a part of every decision that that we make within the department uh, because i think that's just going to motivate them and and make them just just you know, I think it's going to bring on the the whole department as a whole. You know, if if if, if they're kind of self motivated and they they kind of feel a, a part of it, mm-hmm. uh, I think some of the other challenges, like you know, obviously you're, you're you're now dealing with coaches every single day. You know, and you get to see coaches after a win and after a loss, and and timing is just everything now. You know, it's it's yeah, I probably have 
less time to to brainstorm or you know do some educational stuff and it's now thinking thinking in my head like okay i need to get this point across mm-hmm. and when am i going to be able to do it and it's all about timing and it's all about the words you use like i i sort of feel like when i in previous roles i'd, I'd come home from work and i'd be you know i'd be tired from the physical maybe efforts of the job maybe like with guys in the weight room and and you know maybe you know extracting data or, or whatever mm-hmm. now i feel like it's more of a, like a mental drain because you're like it, you know you're mentally focused in conversations and and coaches are coaches so they're going to put you on the spot and they're going to you know it's it's being it's being mentally kind of ready so i feel like more when i come home I'm like mentally nearly drained i'm not drained but just like mentally fatigued more than anything you know so it's different like but it's mm-hmm. good it's, it's kind of it was kind of the step up that that needed to happen for myself and for to me to grow as a professional but mm-hmm. Just, just on that, before we move on, like, have you felt there's a difference between that aspect of the role and the whole coaching side of the role? And do you, not saying you don't coach anymore, but do you miss that side of it? Yeah, definitely. Sometimes, yeah. Like, there's, you know, I think we, I certainly really enjoy being with, you know, being with the players and and being the players in the gym, or, or, you know, you know, you, you do, you do miss. I do miss that a little bit. You know what I mean? Because sometimes now I'm just in meetings opposed to doing that. So there, yeah, there's certainly like. I, I probably would miss it a little bit, you know, for sure. But yeah. that's that, that's part of the job, you know what I mean? So, mm-hmm. And in transitioning to my next question, I want to ask you about just confidence as a whole. What, in, in talking about confidence, I don't want to say, like, obviously that takes a lot of confidence to do what you do, but I wanted to talk about more in, a, in a, an event where you've got to talk to an athlete or a coach, a difficult conversation with an athlete or, or a coach. Talk to me about that kind of scenario. Uh how you feel about doing those conversations and how you kind of deal with them. I, I feel, yeah, I mean, I feel fairly comfortable doing that. I, I, I really, I read, um, Martin Bouchette's, is it ego goals? That what's called his, his book yeah. he released last year. And I thought he mentioned something really interesting that like in our roles, we have to turn up and turn down our ego or, yeah. or our confidence, you know? And I feel like when you're talking to a coach or you're talking to a player, I think particularly a coach that if, if you have any, if, if you're talking to him with any sort of uh, that you're not um, you don't have conviction or you're not confident, mm-hmm. he's going to, he's just going to be like, no, you don't know what you're talking about. And we're, we're moving on here. Mm-hmm. So I feel like you have to kind of turn, turn it up a little bit when you're talking to a coach, I think not as maybe not quite, maybe as much with a player because sometimes they can be a bit more understanding and, but, and you can explain, lay things out for them a little more. Mm-hmm. Um, but cer- certainly like you have to have a level of, of confidence and conviction when you're, when you're, um, you know, trying to get something across, and maybe there's a player injury, and you're going through return to play, and you're trying to, you're trying to ease their their mind that look, you know, um, you, you know, we're we're going to get you through this, and this this next step is 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 logical, you know. But then there's the sides where I think you nearly have to sometimes sometimes turn it down when you're maybe talking with staff, with, with your staff directly, you know, that because you want you want it to be a safe space for them to open up and say and and give their honest opinion about certain things. Mm. So I I really like that what like when what Martin Bouchette was saying in his book was where you can have to turn it up and down depending on who you're who you're dealing with. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's that's important. You know, I think obviously having that conviction when you're dealing with a player and a coach, but then maybe peeling it back a little bit when you're when you're maybe with your staff, and, and so you can it can just be a safe learning space for everyone. You know. Hmm. can you recall the first memory you had having like a, a difficult conversation with a with a coach or an athlete when you were just learning and you were very 
I would say you, you could have been full of confidence from the start, but like, you know, how was that? Did, did it go well? Were you anxious? Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, like, well, I, th- I think it, like, you know, I think ig- ignorance is bliss at times, you know what I mean? Like I, I mm-hmm. feel like when I was a younger coach saying these things, I thought I was dead right. You know what I mean? And now you, you think back and you're like, I had absolutely no idea what I was talking about. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've, got a, I've got a crying dog in the background here. So he left to excuse me. Um, <laughs> But yeah, like I, I said, like, you know, thinking back now, it's like I had no idea what I was talking about, but at the time I thought I did. So, um, but yeah. There you go. That's the point of learning through all these experiences you had for sure. Yeah. Um, now going from, because hometown, home is Ireland, correct for you? Yeah, that's it. Yeah. yeah. Um, and this was going to reach out to a lot of different people around the world that have done something similar to you. So it'd be very insightful, but like, what are the main kind of things that you had to overcome or the struggles that you had to overcome when transitioning to a different country for a role? Um, yeah, it was difficult. Like, it, you know, I, I didn't necessarily move for a role, but I, I moved for, to go to university, which, which I guess ended up having a job attached to it, I suppose. Um, I, 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 I think I struggled at first and I was, I was very fortunate that I had like my parents to, to be able to bounce the stuff back off. You know, mm-hmm. I think, um, I felt that, you know, the, the university that I went to in America, Springfield college w- would be seen in, in the U S as one of the top programs. And it's, it's, you know, they only let like 15 people in a year and they get hundreds mm-hmm. of applicants. And so the quality of the candidate, the people that are in your class are very good and they're all high achievers or, or strive to be high achievers and and uh so it was very competitive and we were all competing for that graduate assistant role mm-hmm. essentially the first year for your second year to get it and i sort of felt when i first moved that because i was from a different country that they just completely disregarded what i knew my you know my previous experiences or my previous education mm-hmm. uh so I, I felt that quite frustrating at times but i also found it motivating as well being like all right i'm gonna show you you know what i mean like yeah um and then it's just different cultures like different you know cultures within our profession you know when i was at springfield i kind of felt that there was a big you know you see the the college football screaming shouting that sort of that sort of strength coach you know and that wouldn't be my that wouldn't be my way to go about things whatsoever mm-hmm. um and i wasn't i'm maybe i'm just being stubborn but i was like i'm i'm not conforming to that i don't think that's the right way to go about things mm-hmm. um so I, I I I felt like some of the cultural stuff was was difficult. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, within certainly within the the um, specific to our profession. Um, yeah. But I also felt like as well, and and this was probably wrong of me that that I kind of I put myself under a lot of pressure because I knew there was a people a lot of people in Ireland that vouched for me to get into this program, into this course. So. I put a lot of pressure on myself and I felt like if I didn't achieve this, if I didn't get that graduate assistant position, or if I didn't do well out of this position in the U S mm. I kind of felt that it would have been a failure on my part for me going back to Ireland, which was uh, in hindsight now thinking, you know, back 10 years or whatever, or whatever, how long it is, that was very, that was probably wrong of me to think that, but that was the way I thought. And it was, it was uh, certainly a motivating factor though, for sure. Mm like you're setting yourself these high expectations based on other people's um, also expectations. I reckon that just builds up inside you, does it? 
Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I think so. Yeah, and I, I think like the the uh, the, the me feet going back to Ireland feeling like a failure was was myself. I probably wasn't anybody else to be honest mm-hmm. with you. But you know, it was the pressure I put on myself. Um, but yeah, no, definitely. Like there was a lot of times where I was on the phone to my mum and dad back in Ireland, being like, "This is ridiculous." Like they're they're doing this, they're saying this, they're you know looking down on me because where I'm from, they're yeah. you know yeah. yeah. And you'd swear, like, you swear Ireland's a third, like, it's not a third world country or anything, you know, we've got yeah, a pretty yeah, yeah. good education system and, you know, and whatever. But it, that, like, I, that's how I felt, you know, that's how I felt mm-hmm. when I was, when I was there, certainly at first, you know. So um, what did, what did you try and do to, you know, maintain who you were as a practitioner instead of like molding into this, like, you know, shouting, screaming, um, uh, American football kind of SNC coach. And you just held true to your own, uh, beliefs and systems throughout your whole career and especially throughout your education when you had these kind of like um, troubling feelings with culture and whatnot yeah. I think that's just it's just the way I am maybe I'm a bit stubborn I don't know you yeah, know like uh, I, I th- I've always kind of been like that like I've, I've never really liked following a crowd you know so yeah. I, I think it's just it was just in, in within within myself and I'm just like no I'm not doing this I'm doing this my way yeah but that can earn so much respect Sure. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I I don't know. I don't know if it did in respect at at uh, at Springfield. I, I don't know, uh, but I just I didn't care. I was like, I'm not doing this because this just is not me. I just don't think I could do this. And uh, it just to me, it just was stupid. It was just like this is this is ridiculous. Like it just it was a big circus. Like you know, yeah, so. it make it makes sense though. Like it's crazy. Yeah, so. yeah. Where um where have you felt the most? Just throwing this one straight out there, mate. But where have you yeah. felt? Where have you felt the most vulnerable in your career? Um, I, I don't know. I, I think I'm not sure. I, I I'd say you know it it might have like this past season with with uh, the club Matt now was 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 difficult. You know when I took over we anything that probably could have went wrong pretty much did go wrong. You know, mm. we had a minor injury crisis. Results were not going very well. There's naturally pressures to get those injured players then back from injury. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that was difficult. That was, that was really, that was really tough. And and there were some other, you know, staffing issues that we had as well and, and, and whatnot. So it, it was, that was a difficult, very difficult, difficult time for, something very early in my early in my career as a say a director you know um but it, you know as i said it's it's something it's something that that i think you learn from for sure um mm. and i guess i don't know if it can get much worse so mm. <laughs> than what happened so you know i guess you, i guess i guess you, you you move on you know and you learn from it and you move on and you hope to do if it happens again you hope to do things do things better you know mm-hmm. but say that the results go wrong like no go your way and um, you know, a few injuries come up because of un unhelpful circumstances or um unavoidable circumstances. Um, do you feel that responsibility comes to you as the director of performance? And can you get rid of that feeling at all? Or does that just naturally like, oh, you're the director of performance, this has to be your responsibility? Uh I, I don't know. I don't know if if the club necessarily put that responsibility on me or not. I I, I don't necessarily think it was necessarily like that. I think but within myself, I probably was like. You know, I I kind of took responsibility within myself, mm-hmm. wrong, right or wrong. You know, I, I I did, um, um, and I think the only way to, you know, for instance, if there's a player that's injured, you know, the only way to get around it is make sure you're planning his return to play process back onto the pitch and mm-hmm. and 
make sure that that's, you're nailed on with that. And, and that's, that's kind of all you can do really. Like, was I, you know, with some of our big players that were injured, was I up, could, could I not sleep for a few nights when we were going through some, some, you know, transitional periods? Absolutely. You know, and it's not, it's not great. And my poor wife has to deal with, deal with me most of the time, but, um, but you know, you, you learn, you, I think the best way is just to plan and be organized and that's, that's all you can do really, you know? Yeah, for sure. And I think there's like this like stereotype that it does rely or does like lie on that kind of role, that figurehead, but it shouldn't anyway. But the fact that you put that expectation on yourself, you kind of counteract that in a way with the, the supportive staff that you have. That you said you had such a great group of people that you keep close to, you you keep inclusive and stuff like that, like that can help you through all those um those those difficult situations, even though like some things were hard to grind through. But I think that does help with that for sure. Gets out of that kind of stereotypical, oh, they're all injured, it's his fault kind of thing. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I know like, you know, Harrison Hall, who's our head performance coach, and he's he's fantastic, particularly during these difficult difficult times because he's, you know, I, I'd be a bit type A and Harry's very relaxed, you know, so we, we're a nice balance for each other, I feel like. So yeah, nice. things nice. that I'm getting worked up, Harry's like, all right, let's, let's relax. Like, let's, let's think about this. So, you know, yeah, right. Having having people around you, good people around you, is is a is a huge is a huge benefit. You know, yeah, for sure, man, for sure. Um, well, in your opinion, what what do you reckon that we are? Um, we is in I don't know what we means as a collective group of practitioners or what? Like, where are we in in combating? You know, talking about mental health in the workplace, and what would you feel that your part to, is to play in talking about it or increasing the awareness of it? I. I don't think as a, as a whole, I don't think it, it exists, to be honest. Mm. Uh, I think, you know, as, as I said previously, like, you know, I, I want to have, uh, you know, certainly an open dialogue with, with my staff and, and, you know, I would hope that because of that, they feel comfortable around me that they can then open up to something like that. If, if that's, if that's something that they're going through, you know, mm. if they're having some, some issues, that's something that they're going through um you know i think that that's that's i haven't necessarily particularly sat down with them and said listen if you're having any issues like you know you know you've got something to talk to or we can help you with finding something to talk to or whatnot but you know i i I hope by proxy of you know having them feel like it's a comfortable space to to open up in professionally personally that that it kind of manifests that way Mm. Uh, but yeah, I guess that's it. I, I think it is something that's probably underutilized within sport organizations because everybody that works in a in a in a professional club works very very hard, and they're there working long hours, and it's a very stressful job. And mm-hmm. uh, so, yeah, I think I think it maybe is something that 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 you know maybe the the governing strength conditioning governing bodies maybe need to think about it. I, I don't know you know yeah. and i think because most people are similar to yourself for example like they're doing return to play um protocols for um athlete a b and c kind of thing and um they they lose sleep over if it's going to go right or not because they actually care about it whereas yeah. they they do the return to play and they don't care about it like oh that's fine we'll figure out tomorrow uh and then you know that it's it's a difference between caring yeah. and not caring and i think a lot of people care so then they have these anxious feelings, um, high expectations for themselves, all this kind of stuff that rolls into yeah. having these kind of thoughts and and um, and anyway, I'm rambling, I'm rambling a little bit. Um, <laughs> what I wanted to ask you next, mate, was what um, what 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 are three things that you feel have been the most influence on your 
progression, for example, and these three things can be anything you want. It could be people, it could be apps, it could be books, courses, services, whatever, experiences. Like what are three things that have really helped you progress the way you are today? I think I think people is a big one. Um, you know, as I said early on, I had some really good mentors in yeah, Harry Tallinn yeah. and um, you know, and I've had some mentors through the through my period working at different clubs and um uh, you know, even when I moved into this role, I've, I, you know, I think uh, a fellow countryman of yourself, uh, Johan Billsborough, who's at the the New England Patriots, he were owned by the same people. We're we're literally right next to each other. Yeah. Uh, so I, I've been able to I've been able to use him as a he's been a huge resource for me because obviously he's just been around the block. He's done he's yeah. seen it all. Uh, so be able to to bounce ideas off him, and, and he's been great. He's been really good. You know, he's. You know, if we have a bad loss, he sent me a text, and you know, like so, just little things like that. So, yeah, people, that. Have, people have been huge, you know, uh, uh, for sure. And and you know, my Kieran Collins is my my supervisor for my PhD, and I'm constantly bouncing ideas off him. You know, I'm even mm-hmm. we've got preseason starting next week. You know, I'm thinking of doing this, this, and this. What do you think? And you know, he's he's consulted a lot of big big sides and seen a lot of seen a lot of seen a lot within certainly within the, the soccer realm. So, um, people have been huge, and obviously my parents as well. Mm-hmm. Um, um, but you know, I, I think as well, experience like being able to ex- see certain situations and then being able, you know, hopefully when they happen again, it, you know, it, it's it, it becomes a bit more seamless, or you know, you can learn from your mistakes from maybe a mistake you made, mm-hmm. whether it being talking to a coach about a particular thing, whether it being, um, you know, dealing with a player in the in the gym or or or, or whatever, you know, I think experience is huge as well. Um, yeah, I suppose education as well. Like, I think part of the, part of the reason for me wanting to do a PhD was to force myself to learn. To be honest, mm. so being able to read, being forced to basically read research all the time, and um, mm. I think is also has been really valuable for myself. So, mm. yeah, I suppose, I suppose those those three things. Yeah, good. Um, I wanted to follow on what you're talking about there with your uh, your PhD opportunity, mate. But um, next, what's up next for you? Talking about your PhD, is that going to take a lot of your time up now moving also moving into the new season as well like what's just uh, yeah basically what what's what's next for you what's on the horizon yeah i i don't know i i i don't think so I, i'm about a year i'm kind of like year two year year and a half into it so i've uh i've kind of been able to balance it a bit because I, I kind of find it helps with my job it's a way of forcing me to do some yeah continue, for sure. education and helping my job because it's it you know it's somewhat based around training loads so um so I, I don't really have too much of a problem with it. it my wife is also in, in university as well like so you know the two of us on a friday night opposed to going out for dinner going out where uh we're sitting there doing doing studies so um so it, it's not it's not so bad it's it's i actually find it okay to be honest with you so mm-hmm. um but i i do i do certainly enjoy uh i do enjoy doing doing research and kind of diving diving a little deeper into some of the data and whatnot so um yeah no i'm enjoying it though good and obviously the season coming up soon yeah we start start uh physicals are on saturday so and then we start first first day of training on on uh on monday so that's, we'll, that's a big day yeah 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 so we'll see we've got our we've got all our, our testing stuff on sunday so hopefully hopefully our players come back in good shape so mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. for sure for sure and what where if the guys wanted to reach out to you, mate, um, or the listeners want to reach out to you for any reason, for any questions they had to follow up on the podcast, have you got any central ways to do that? Anyone wants to go through socials or an email or something? 
Uh, I'd say the best. I mean, I'm not the most active on Twitter, but I do. I don't post a lot on Twitter, but I, I am on it. So it's probably mm-hmm. the best way on Twitter. I think my tag is at JamesCon50, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, that probably is the best way. My email is jcollins at revolutionsoccer.net as well. So if someone wants to reach out there, that's, yeah, far away. Perfect, mate. Good. Uh, well, mate, I can definitely say that I've learned a lot and I've definitely taken a lot out of this uh, hour that we've, we've spoken for. So I do appreciate your time, especially waking up so early. I hope your dog's okay. Yeah, he's uh, all right. Yeah, he's good, yeah. Yeah, good. But, mate, thank, thank you very much. We'll, we'll we'll finish up there. Hang on for a second. We'll have a bit of a chat, but apart from that, yeah, yeah. Nice one, uh, I appreciate the time. So thanks to James Collins for jumping on this episode. Awesome to chat to him. Awesome he woke up at 6.30 in the morning over there in Boston to be able to have a chat uh, down this way in Melbourne, which is good. Uh, It was awesome to hear a friendly Irish accent, as always, James. So appreciate the time. Um, Good to get your insight on how you act as a leader and how how you recruit and gather the right personnel within your organization to lead and to give them trust and to give them meaning and motivation to do their own work effectively so it's very admirable and it's very um it's a good trait to be able to have as a leader and it's a good uh, lesson for a lot of other guys to learn out there in industry so a lot of lessons i took out of that and i'm sure a lot of other people will so um i also like to thank stance for providing the music for this episode i like to thank um a team builder for being the main sponsor of this episode and i'd like to thank you guys the listeners for listening into this episode it's never never easy to uh post stuff that no one's listening to so it's great to hear that everyone is getting a little bit out of this so thank you very much and i'll speak to you guys in the next episode